We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. But now we're recording. <laughs> As before. As before. You're you're back on, Jay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we are joined by Shay and Ryan, our uh, second year hunter, hunt it forward participants on their second year of hunt it forward. Yeah, exactly. Public Season land two, draw part two. edition. Yep. Hunt it, hunt it forward to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> that right there is the name. Hunt it forward to electric boogaloo. Right. There it is. <laughs> Do the boogaloo. We've, we've got a song for it. We do. Yep. That's right. Welcome, you guys. Thanks. Thanks glad, for having us back. Glad to have you back. Oh, hopefully, this is part one of a two-part podcast. Um, we, we changed up Hunt It Forward a little bit this year uh, and decided to add in the retention part of the 3R mm-hmm. system. Um this year to hunt it forward and we went out with um today was day one of ryan and shay's public land draw cow elk hunt we've been pretty lucky both emily and adrian drew public land elk hunt we have already established that when it comes to the draw it has nothing to do with luck study look up look at the numbers put in Using the Rodney system, and you're going to have some luck. (laughs) So, I'll reiterate what I've said about luck before. When I say luck, I mean the intersection where preparation and opportunity meet. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So, anyway, yeah, today was day one of their public land hunt, and and so um, we felt it was a good idea to... Stick around and do the retention part, like I said, and and go out with them and help them with this hunt before we, um, for lack of a better lo- term, turn them loose next year. Yep. Um, <laughs> Watch out, world. We're turning them loose next year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did today. Yeah. Yeah. To success. To, to great success. success. Half success. Um. Half success, yeah. That's why I said hopefully this is part one of a two-part podcast. Um, We all went out today. Uh, I don't know. Shay said this is a success. She just likes to hang out with us. Right? Yeah. Right? Um, But yes, hopefully half success. Shay was gracious enough to, uh, since she got first shot last year, um, she gave Ryan first shot this year. And it's funny. We um, just talked about this. We just talked about this the other day. We we did a little cameo for... uh, Blue Collar Elk Blue Hunting collar Podcast. Comedy Outdoor Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that in there because you couldn't squeeze it in the video. <laughs> I know. Um, but anyway, uh, our our tip was, you know, when going out with a hunter, um, before you hit the field, make sure you know who's going to shoot first. Yeah. Um, and without even uh, any prompting, Shay was like, let's let Ryan shoot first this year because I got to shoot first last year. So Ryan got to shoot first. He just yeah. took one shot. And got it done this morning. Yeah, Ryan shot once, and yeah, 
got me an elk. Yep. Yeah. Tell us. You got to go into more detail. Yeah. Than that. Tell <laughs> us. Like, well, tell, you got to tell a hunting story. <laughs> this is like a hunt podcast. Tell a hunting One story. One great part of hunting um, is the hunting story. Well, so so I came in earlier than everybody else. I took an extra day off work because I hadn't been to the area before. And I decided if I wanted to scout, I wanted to get in a little early, drive around a bit. Mm-hmm. So not really knowing exactly where we were going, I went up the mountain and drove across the mountain on my own. Uh, I haven't got to dri- do as much driving as I wanted to this year, so it was nice to drive around a bit. Um saw two different groups of elk maybe a total of a dozen immediately got stoked for the hunt just immediately was right. excited you know just here noodling around i've already seen Hooked one down. Of their right. <laughs> yeah so so we went in this morning um Went to one area, already had a few people in. We decided to back out of it, head back another, and... I think we backed out of that one, too. Did we? Did we back out of two? We didn't really back out of it. I just just drove right by it. Oh, yeah, that's right. The place that um, we were headed to next, there was a couple of trucks parked there at the trailhead, and I just kept going. Yeah, but it it worked out, you know, as as we're a little ways into that, Shay spotted a... Group elk. Uh, just yeah, I think we were all just BSing, and she's like, hey, that's an elk. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> Immediately the truck like, stop, stops. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So we, you know, we back up, get out of the truck, load the rifle, start stalking up to where we had seen them, yeah, and, and they're before gone. We, but yeah, before we get there, it's like, um, we talked about this earlier on, that Rodney is known for tornado mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, do some some changes in his personal life. I I sometimes miss the tornado mode, and we <laughs> and we let Ryan down in this one because we're like, oh yeah, let's just go elk hunting and la di da di da. It's like nobody said, hey Ryan, make sure you got ammo in the yeah. gun. Make sure this yeah, is we, out of the gun case. I was, <laughs> to be fair, uh, to be fair, to be fair. <laughs> Gun was out of the case pretty quick. Ammo was in the pocket was. pretty quick. It was, yeah. You know, everything was set up pretty quick, but it was enough time for the elk to bugger See, off. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I mean, we weren't quite there. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to side with Kyle on this on tornado mode. I mean, typical mode. I would have just hit the brakes, throw the door open, and been like, "Ryan, that's get what out. we did. That's yeah, exactly that, what we uh, did last go, year. Go, go, go! Yeah, that's what last year was. A hundred percent. Just opened yeah. up the door. But, there you go. I, you know, I mean, we just kind of took our time. They weren't spooked. Yep. We just backed up. Got out of sight, got out, and I was standing there watching you get ready, and I was like, hey, Kyle, um, we got to drop the ball on making sure everybody was ready this morning, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, right? But no, you were you were fast enough. I mean, they, they weren't going to be there anymore. They bugged out probably before we ever got, got yeah. out of the truck. No, but, I mean, they twigged us when we were backing up. I yeah. could see a few of them look up, and um, yeah. you know, they knew that something was there, yeah. and that's usually enough. Yeah. Um, so, so they... They were gone by the time we came up on them. Back in the truck we go. Further down the road we go. Past a few more groups of hunters on the way. Um, you know, road seems to... There, there's a discussion as to whether or not the road actually ends and becomes a trail at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was enough signage that we continued on. 
and you know maybe within, a half mile yeah, yeah super fast yeah it was really quick maybe within a half mile I think Shay or Rodney Rodney, Rodney. Rodney spotted him again. I mean, one of you spotted him again and you know this time we were a little bit more prepared and got out and you know got set up got sights on him it was really funny I think Rodney said it that it was it was a it was a very soft morning. Yeah, we were only eighty-three yards from them across yeah. the canyon. Yeah. yeah, and they they didn't even know we were there. No, yeah. the wind or, I think was totally in our favor. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was just very. It was a very you know they'd had a light snow, um, and everything was very soft. It was very quiet, very peaceful. Yeah, and you know we were creeping along at a slow pace, so you know the truck's not loud at all. So, and. When I first spotted them, they were feeding up, and I mean they knew we were there. You know, you know, elk. They knew we were there, but it wasn't a. They weren't spooked or nothing. They weren't even looking at us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to know that they knew we were there, but they weren't looking at us. They weren't running. They weren't doing the stopping and staring and what the heck is that scenario. They were just like, eh, there's a truck over there. They were just easing up the hill, you know. Yep. Um, kind of deal, but yeah, yeah it, it was a very soft, quiet morning. Yeah, I heard you mention that, and I, I don't think it had occurred to me in, until I heard you say that. But yeah, the the snowfall, the ground was a little damp still, right? Like everything's yeah. just sinking in enough that the truck was quiet, our mm-hmm. footsteps were quiet, we weren't kicking up a ton of dust. Mm-hmm. And and to that point, you know, when we were up there. You know, later on, when we went up there to find her, and we went up, and we're getting ahead in the story here, but to this point, um, and when we were up there, um, you know, field dressing her, Shay had waited at the first when we just went to see if we could find blood. Shay waited at the truck, mm-hmm. and her truck drove by, and we never and even heard it. We never even heard yeah, it. Yeah, so second we were truck. eighty yards away. Yeah, yeah. And so by, you didn't hear I think that's either. what contributed to them knowing that we were there, but not getting spooked. Yeah. Uh, because it was just so soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super soft. So, super soft. so yeah, I you know I took my shot. Couldn't hear the thump. Uh, no, Rodney was pretty sure it had hit. So we waited a few minutes, and then Rodney and I walked across the little ravine that was between us, mm-hmm. and um, started looking around. And yeah, there was no sign of blood. Uh, and not even any. Not you couldn't even really see any tracks. The snow was of a. The it snow, wasn't the snow had together. The snow had fallen, melted, frozen, melted, frozen, and was starting, starting to, to thaw again. Yeah. But it was it was frozen. But it was it was like the snowflakes were frozen separately. They yeah. weren't frozen together yeah, yeah, because yeah. it wasn't crunching when you walked on it. It wasn't. And it left no footprint. It, whatsoever. Yeah. It wasn't a melt. It wasn't yeah. melted and refrozen. It had fallen. Frozen and was starting to thaw again. Yeah, yeah and, and you had even pointed out, you know, as we were as we were looking around for blood or track and or tracks, um, and or an elk. Um, I, you know, I was looking for tracks and wasn't seeing them. And pretty quickly, you pointed out, well, you know, look, and you stepped in some snow and stepped away. And you're like, can't even see my track where yeah. I was here. Um, so, yeah, after a few minutes. Um, it seemed like an eternity. 
I, you know, I, w- I was sure I missed it. Yeah. Just there we was were no sitting sign. on the other side of the hill going, or other side of the canyon going, what are they doing over there? Yeah. <laughs> well, then, you know what they're doing. Yeah, well, then they And then I heard, I heard a whistle, and, I, and so I, I was like. You, I gave you just kind of a little soft whistle. Yeah. I, I didn't want to holler because I didn't know if she was 100 yards up the hill just kind of watching or, you know, I didn't know if she was, it was a bad hit, a good hit. Um, and at that point, you know how you get, you know, when you'll experience this throughout your hunting career, you get, you just start to, the first thing that you start to do, if you don't walk up and see blood right where they were standing is, oh, maybe I didn't hit her. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, 100%. that's just, that's I mean, where you turn. Well, I do that with anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And certainly in this thing that I am relatively new to and, and, you know, I, I don't have any misgivings that. I could so, be a much worse shot than I have been up to this point. What was the whistle for? What were you trying to do? So you're quite literally you're a better tracker than me, and oh. I, I wanted to call you over there to get you to track to, okay. to help us look for. Because when you whistled, I thought it was like, "Hey, we got blood," and so like I was like, "All right, all right yeah. sweet," and so I started over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same result, different intentions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was there. I was trying to be soft, so we kind of got lucky. Yeah. So, it was a very dense area. <laughs> Playing that one again, huh? <laughs> um, it it not, wasn't very open. Not to mention the it, hunters themselves. It, it wasn't very open. <laughs> <laughs> Are we recording? Oh, we're, yeah. yeah, we've been doing the whole time. All right, um, we're not editing I'll, any I'll of that. Fill you in. Not a I'll, bit of I'll that. I'll fill you in, in after the podcast. <laughs> um, if you know, right? You know. Yeah. If you know, you know. So anyway, it was a little dense. Uh, no, there wasn't a lot of shooting lanes through there. There was a lot of of shrubbery and small trees yeah, and yeah. stuff, and it was tough to see. Well, and, we, and so, sighting her in, there was you know I could. I knew there were a number of branches between me and her that yeah. were in my in my range of like variation through yeah. my breath, right? Yeah. I know how the scope's going to move as I'm breathing, mm-hmm. and I can see the branches that I'm skipping over. Yeah. So that also contributed to the feeling of yeah. no blood, yeah. no elk, no hit. And and I was standing, so I was positioned right behind you. So I had almost the exact same view that you did. There was only one branch that I was a little worried about. Um, but to the point, you know, when I whistled at Kyle, there were, I couldn't tell him, I couldn't signal to him quietly to come over. I had to give him a little whistle, um, or walk all the way back, which I just didn't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so that was the whistle was just, you're better at tracking than I am. And I wanted to get you over there because we had already discussed the tracks and how you can't see tracks. And we were positive we were standing right where she was, and there was yeah. no tracks there. Well, when I got over there, I was, I was very surprised because I was like, well, first I was like, wait a minute, there's no blood. What the heck? And then I started looking at the ground, and I was, because you guys had kind of moved up the hill a little bit. And I was like, man, there are absolutely, I could see a few places where i knew that they had been they were like dent. they were like a small it was like dent. when they <laughs> ran off yeah, they dug yeah. a, a twig a twig t- broke it yeah something over, like you that know, uh, yeah. I, and I saw but i was that, extremely surprised yeah. with how few tracks there were yeah. yeah discernible tracks yeah which was my point why i got you over yeah. there yeah um, but was, 
to begin because I, I knew at that point um, there was going to be some tracking involved. And right then, it, it, too, I, I I mentioned that I had almost the same view as you, right? Yeah. And there was one branch that I was a little worried about. Yeah. So the difference in my view and your my view and your view was that I was a little bit higher than you because yeah. I was standing behind you and kind of looking over you over your shoulder. So my eye level was a little bit higher. And I asked you, and you'd said that you thought that you aimed above that branch. Mm -hmm. So if you were below my field of vision, Mm -hmm. and you aimed above that branch, I knew your shot was high. Yeah. Because that branch in my field of view would have been lower on the elk than you. Yeah. And at my field of view, shooting over the branch would have been okay. But at your field of view... You know, when you lower your eyes, yeah. it raises that branch at the kill zone. Under that branch would have probably been a safer shot. Yeah. But, I mean, it worked out just fine. Yeah. But, again, you get to you begin to play those things out in your mind afterwards. Instead yeah. of just looking at the evidence, you start playing also, you know, mind games with yourself. Like I say, you know, when I'm looking through the scope at the elk, you know, I, I know that as I'm trying to control my breath, and I'm trying to squeeze the trigger as opposed to pull the trigger. I can I know what my crosshair is doing. Like as I'm taking my breath in, it's raising. As I'm letting my breath out, it's lowering. So part of saying I aim above the branch is more. I believe I was still an, above the branch yeah. when the trigger was. You know when when the shot went out. Yeah. You know that could have been slightly below. It could have been right on. It could have been just above. But, like, I knew kind of the range I was in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Kyle comes over. Immediately, you know, suggests we kind of spread out a little bit more and start kind of walking the hill a little bit. Well, and so, and and we had talked about it before you guys actually went. While we were waiting, you know, probably we probably waited five or five or ten minutes. Probably not ten. I think we waited about five minutes. We sat there and we talked about the three different kind of scenarios that that would go on whenever we went over there. Mm-hmm. And Rodney took you through those, you know, yeah. that either you find blood and the type of blood determines what you do. If it's, you know, bright, frothy blood, that's a lung. She's not going very far. Should be a quick recovery. If it's a dark blood, then it's probably a further back shot in the liver and she may take longer. So we're just going to wait and then we'd have to track her. And if you didn't find blood, we're gonna have to track her to make sure there's no blood. Yeah. And that was and that was Shay's question. Shay, uh, great question by the way. Shay asked how the tracking procedure went, yep. and that was the the ex- explanation I gave her. Uh, and so when I went over there, you guys were talking about it because he hadn't found a speck of blood. Mm-hmm. And Rodney was replaying it in his mind. He's like, man, I thought she jumped, but that may have just been the branch. You might have hit the branch, and it was swaying back and forth. And so, you know, I just said, well, let's, you know, there's not any blood. There's very few tracks. We know they went in this direction. Let's just kind of spread out along this hill and move up to the ridge line, and then make a plan from there. Yeah. And, and you know, slight, just before you would come over, Rodney and I were talking about uh, – tracking like looking at the ground for blood stopping looking at the ground line on the hill 
taking your eyes, kind of following the ground up the hill a bit, tracking blood again, hill, ground, hill, ground, kind of alternating, and then weaving through the through the area that you think she may have passed through. Yeah. Um, and really, once the three of us kind of broke off to, to do exactly that, um, I looked down, saw no blood, looked up, and was staring at a dead elk's ass. Um, <laughs> it was just... Right, like, had, had you not... Dead elk ass! Dead elk ass! I see <laughs> dead elk ass! <laughs> but it was, it was within just a few seconds of us splitting, splitting off that I was like, oh, there she is. Like, and, and that, you know, that's always one of the things that amazes me is like, it's so easy to miss these animals... Even if this, you know what you're looking for, you know where to look for it, you know how to look for it. It's so easy just to not see it, especially after a shot like that. Yeah. You know, well, it it, was, there's it, so many things. It's a great indication of, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's something to kind of put down in the back of your mind uh, for future is... What the eye catches first is movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. That's what we saw the animals. So you reverse engineer that. And if you as a hunter can reduce your movement to a minimum, you become a better hunter because that's what the eye catches, especially with these prey animals. And they have a greater field of vision than we do. And so, like you said, that elk was 50 yards from where she was shot. Yeah. And we didn't see her until we started moving up. And even then, she blends right into the hillside. Yeah, she really did. Yeah. And it's a perfect example and something to keep in mind, too, because it translates to hunting, not just tracking. Um, you can be in a great area. And let's say you're set up on a great area and you're glassing, right? And depending on, you know, if you're in the morning and you're expecting animals to be moving, uh, that's what you're looking for is that movement, right? Mm-hmm. But you can sit in a spot and maybe you're thinking some animals are bedded or something like that. And you're sitting in a spot and you're glassing. If you move 10 feet, you have a whole new gl- hillside to glass. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same hill, but it's a whole new hillside to glass because you've just changed the angle enough to where you, you might catch, catch an, ear. an ear or a horn sticking out that you couldn't see before. And it's the exact same thing today with the tracking. We were standing in an area, and we had both looked up that hill and scanned that hillside and didn't see anything. You changed your angle. Yeah. Moved downhill just a little bit, and boom, there boom. she is. Yeah. You know, so – and and even if you're doing what we call still hunting, which is just basically hunting as you walk through the woods, right? Um, always looking not just far, but right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're doing it right – and you're being quiet, and you've got the wind in your favor, you can walk right up an anim- on an animal. So looking at the ground, looking right in front of you, not just 100 yards in front of you, right. but 20 yards in front of you, can improve your success. It's like fishing, right? You're, yeah. You want to fish the line closest to you, not the, one that, not, the, not the line you see on the other side of the river that's a surefire bet that, something's, that a trout's feeding in it. You want to fish your way up to that line exactly. because there could be any number of fish in between the two. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, yeah. There she is. So there she is. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really, it was, it was a big relief, you know. Like, 
again, I'm new enough to this and I, I have enough self-doubt to like, like, oh, thank you. Know, I didn't miss it. Uh, they're not going to mock me for days uh, at my less than 100-yard miss. Um, I did it like four times last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like in all, in all seriousness, there, it's, it's a big relief that, you know, it's a success, right? Now all I have to do is, is process things, right? All, all so you got to all do, you gotta do I, is break down a whole lot. We still got a good, a good chunk of this story left, though. Um, tell us, last year we hunted antelope. And yeah. an antelope is about the size of a hindquarter of an elk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So tell us, and, and two, you know, um, with an antelope, you're, there, there's no gutless method at all. You wanted to do the gutless method with your elk this year. I did, uh, yeah. Which is what we did. So so talk to us about that, you know, about about the size of the animal and, and your thoughts on that and your thoughts on you know, what was it like? And cause you know, you're going to have to do this in the future, maybe not yeah. by yourself, but with other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, so talk to us about that, about the experience of the size of the animal and, yeah. and the gutless, you know, it's, field process, all of that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of size, it's, it's interesting cause I've had kind of a different, a varying perspective, um, you know, perception of the size of the animal. Because I think the first time I had seen elk in the wild was just after I got my antelope last year. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a small herd of elk that went running across the ridgeline of Romeo. And, like, from that distance, I was shocked. They, they seemed enormous. Uh, bigger. They somehow, in my head, seemed so much bigger like than the moose. one that we got today yeah it, it almost seems like they were seem, the they seem like they were moose size. yes um says the people from new mexico who right they're seen an actual I've, 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 I've seen, seen meese, well, moose well for me mooses um, <laughs> i yeah so you know coming up on her like finding the one that i shot today and coming up on her I, it was a it was a little smaller than i expected but somehow like still incredibly big i especially once we sat down to like kind of take some pictures and i the got, size got of her, her head, head in my lap i was, was like oh huge this is a big animal yeah um yeah and and it you know i i'd watched a few videos cuz i didn't want to i felt like i came really unprepared last year I wanted to be less unprepared than that um I know there's no chance I was going to be fully prepared. <laughs> um, but I watched a couple YouTube videos where they were kind of walking you through breaking down an elk using the gutless method. So Aubrey and I had had a couple discussions of like, so what happens if, you know, cause I, I kind of knew you guys had a two day window that you could be here. Yeah. Like what happens if you've got nothing, you're two days in, you still have two days left in your hunt. Three. Three? It's a five-day yeah. five hunt. Yeah, it is a five-day hunt. I thought so, about that as well. You know, am, do I just walk away and accept a loss, or do I stick around and try and make this thing work for myself? And, you know, m more balls than brains. I I thought, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try and stick this thing out. I'll find a camp spot. I'll set up camp, and I'll, I'll you know, watch a few videos and read a book, and, you know, maybe I'll you know, no pun intended, butcher it 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe I get lucky and I don't screw up half the meat and we still have meat in the freezer. So I was determined that if I didn't have one by the time you guys were ready to leave on Sunday, I was camping for a few days and figuring this right, thing that's out. That's awesome. Um, no confidence. Like how he planned on us failing. Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. It's, it's great. happens. Um, it's, no, it's it's great, and it's great and to prepare like yeah, that. that well, that's I, a very real possibility. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. This and, this is a cow hunt, yeah, but it is still not a guarantee. And this is a public land hunt. There's no guarantees that you're going to get this animal. Even with a private land hunt, there's no guarantees that you're going to get an animal. Um, basically, the only guarantee that you can even kind of count on is that you might be the only one out there but the other thing is i've paid for a tag i've put in for a draw i've lucked out and i've drawn an animal to be to have a five-day window to take that animal be here two days fail for two days and go well i guess it's done is not really acceptable like i like it there are plenty of people that could have had that full five days to take that animal and didn't have the chance. Yeah. You know, this is an allotted, you know, allotted animal to take that needs, that, that, you know, is expected to be taken. Yeah. I have a responsibility after I take that draw and tag and come out to do that hunt to spend five days if it takes me five days. And then if I don't get it, cool. I didn't get it. But I tried. Our job is done, Kyle. So, Shay, about tomorrow. <laughs> but, yeah, so when it came to, you know, actually breaking down the animal in the field, um, in terms of preparedness, after a couple YouTube videos, <laughs> if we're talking 10, I was about a 3, right? Like, I I knew... I knew the motions of getting, I, yeah, I knew the motions in my head. I'm good at, I'm good at picking up process and following process. And I'm also good at, you know, kind of knocking around a little bit to see if I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, but even once we started, you know, skinning it, cutting into it, you know, you were pointing out like, you're getting lost in the weeds. You're making these. You've got an animal that's this. <laughs> the cuts you're taking you're your cuts like about this. that half inch cuts. Um, but it, you know, be there a while. But I was totally nervous. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Like, I get it. I do. That's I do. a sharp knife, and if I poke the wrong thing, bad mm-hmm. things happen. So, so yeah. I mean, could I have done it? Yeah. I would have hoped it would have been a morning kill if I would have been on my own. Because if that happened at 4.30 in the evening, that's going to be a miserable night. And I've known people who, you know, they do that. They Not necessarily that, they're, that they don't know what they're doing, but they go, let's say, three miles back in over two ridgelines. Yeah. And they kill something at 5, 6 o'clock at night, and they don't get back to camp till 2 in the morning because they had to, being a solo hunter, they had to go in, pack out, go in, pack yeah. out, go in, pack yeah. out. And and I had rope, right? I had the game plan in my head. Yeah. I had the game plan. Best I could do is try and plan for any eventuality and hope for the move best, on. plan for the worst. That's Absolutely, it. that's it. So um, breaking it down was, you know, 
it, it's incredible how much those hindquarters weigh. Um, you know, it's that, like getting in like the the delicate nature of not tearing that backstrap to pieces mm-hmm. as you're trying to cut over little knobs of bone and you know it, it it was it was good but like by the time we had flipped it over and worked on the second side i felt a lot more confident um yeah yeah i don't even remember so we were rodney and i were kind of tag team and helping you get through some of that stuff and i know i was rodney and i on the on the on the offside on the second side Rodney and I were working on the back, the hind quarter, because that's really one of the trickiest points, getting around that ball joint and sticking to the to the bone there. And we let you do the front shoulder, and I don't even think either one of us really talked to you at all. You just took it off and did a great job doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. there were a couple points where one of you was nearby, and I was like, I want to follow this, right? And, and yeah. Yeah, um, I, I had a hard time. Because I really wanted to jump in and help a lot, but I also didn't want to. Sure. Uh, and I think I expressed that to you well, while and we I, were up there because it, it's hard because you want to jump in there and you want to help, yeah. right? But if you don't get your hands in there and get and, and get them dirty, um, you're not going to gain that experience. Sure. But the other side is when you do jump in and help, it doesn't absolve me from attention. Yeah. You know? Like – I tried to make it a point that when either one of you was, if I wasn't occupied elsewhere, when either one of you was working on a piece of this elk, I was trying to focus on how you were doing it and what you were doing. Yep. So when it comes to doing it myself, I have some kind of memory of the thing to draw on. Yeah, you're putting, for lack of a better term, millennials don't understand this, but you're putting cards in your Rolodex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you can roll back to at some point. I remember seeing this. Look, like every bit of it is attention. Yep. A lot of people have varying problems with attention for varying reasons. Um, you know, I try and focus knowing my own attentive shortcomings. Yep. And I just try and file everything away as, as close to a photographic, uh, you know, memory as I can get. Yep. I know I don't have it. I've, yeah, plenty of damage done to my memory <laughs> over time. But, and I, I made this joke earlier, you know, like I've, I've gotten better at it because I control my attention. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Aubrey loses her keys. There, at this point, she suspects me of hiding the keys <laughs> because I can tell you exactly where they were, exactly what was, what they were near. It, I know what the room looked like. And yeah. I just tried to do that through the process today. And I'm I'm really glad. So there's a couple areas where I'm kind of glad that you pushed, either pushed me, or just went ahead and did it. And I saw that it wasn't the task that I thought it was going to be. Uh, I'm being vague, but so like with the, the first hind quarter, the first started to kind of cut into the meat. Yeah. But as soon as he started helping you, you were like, "Okay, got it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I knew I was in the wrong place. And I took the correction, and I made that correction work. Tenderloin. Yeah. You know, when we were taking the tenderloin out, that's the first tenderloin you largely, you showed me what you were doing. You largely took the first tenderloin. Mm-hmm. The second one, you went and washed your hands. Yep, I did. And at that point, I knew this is my problem. Yep. <laughs> right? This is, all right, fine. 
I hope you were paying attention because now it is your problem. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and, and and the second one looks a little rougher than the first one. I will. It, it's fine. I, I I did watch and and you did a good job. It, it come out just fine. The the hard part, like what I was struggling with, is so much of it is feel. Yeah. You, you feel what that knife's going around, and it's hard to. You can't explain it. You have to experience it. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to have that knife in your hand. And feel, okay, I'm cutting down. Like, And you explained it perfectly, like when you're taking the back strap. I've done it enough to where I know where I'm going down, and I know what that, what that feels like to bounce around those bones. And, yeah. and I know what it takes to get as much meat as possible off of that back strap because I've done it. Yeah. And it's but the same, same you, scenario with, like, the hind quarter. Mm-hmm. If you've never taken a hind quarter off, off the pelvic bone and you and you haven't it's actually would be really good for someone um, who hasn't done a breakdown to just go look at anatomy of an elk bone structure of an elk because with that mass of meat on there you're like okay where exactly is that ball joint and we ask ourselves that every single time we're every single time yeah Yeah. because because it's feel you you remember what it feels like to slip in between that ball joint and the hip there, and okay, that's it. That's yep, and and, that's the, it right and, there. and then it's like, your knife hits that, and then you go, "Yep, that's it," and and off you go. Uh, tenderloin's the same way, yeah. And and that is a really hard one to explain because you're, especially when you're doing the gutless method, you can't see what you're, you're doing. doing it blind. Yeah, it's you almost can't see it at all. Yeah, it looks um, super difficult, and a, a little bit different on. On this one, most of the ones that I've done on the gutless method, well, first off, they've been bulls, not cows. Um, and I don't know if that makes a difference. But most of the time, you could run your hand down in there between um, between the spine and the tenderloin. And you can kind of push it all the way through. Yeah. And then you've got, like, I guess the best way to ex- to describe it is like a suitcase handle. Yeah. And it's just attached on each end at this point. But this one, you really couldn't do that. It, it didn't. It, you had to kind of like you had, you kinda the had full to cut it on the, the bottom. Yeah. And then on each end. And I, I that's something that I haven't experienced. Now, I, I don't know if that's a difference in the way that the backstrap was taken off or if that's just a different anatomy in a cow and an elk. It doesn't seem like that that would be it. But. But yeah, we had to. You had to kind of get in there and cut the bottom of it, and then cut each side as well. And and taking the but plank. all but all by feel. Yeah. And then you've got this razor sharp knife in your hand. Yeah, but you're not. Trying, you're trying not to poke a stomach. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like so, Rodney yeah. said, watch out for those five digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Watch out for the little piggies. <laughs> yeah, and so and and when it came to the back strap, like taking the flank off the side really made a difference for me to be able to start taking the backstrap on my own because I could work my hand and see where the backstrap separated from the muscle and so it's lower. A, and it's it's another one of those interesting points because Rodney starts in the spine. Yeah. I always start on the rib side. Yeah. I, I run my life down the rib side low. Yeah. Where I know that the backstrap's not going to be. And then most of the time I can get my hand under there and start to pull it away from the ribs and just use those ribs to get in there. And then I do spine. 
Yeah, and and I kind of I kind of found that that worked a little bit better when I was doing the second backstrap because I pretty much did that one on my own. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like one taking the flank off the side really kind of clears that line mm-hmm. of the backstrap. You can see where that muscle runs. And then once I've got that line, I can kind of peel it back and kind of separate it from the rib. And then at that point, I know I can follow this spine and yeah. just meet the ribs. And, and there's and there's done with it. pros and cons to each. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that no that spine, way. you have a good chance of dulling your knife. For it's sure. not a huge problem when you have one of those razor knives. You can just switch blades out. The the cons in going up the rib side is you have a chance of slipping your knife and actually taking leaving meat. Yeah. Because because that spine that those ribs come up and you're you're cutting cutting cutting, but at the very end those ribs do that. Yeah. And so you have a great chance of doing this and leaving all that meat right there. Yeah. 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 It, some people start back at the hip. Some people start up at the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's no wrong way to do it. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Um, I think there's a couple of things, Kyle, that me and you differ, do different. And, and some people, some people, when they're doing the gutless method, um, they start at the belly and work to the back. Mm-hmm. And I start at this. I, I start at the spine and work down to the belly. Yeah. There's there's no wrong way. There, there's a right way for you, but yeah. there's no wrong way to do it. Sure. Well, and the other thing that I was I was talking about earlier in terms of, you know, if I hesitated, you know, one of you stepped in, the heart. The heart was something I wanted. But after doing all this work, you know, I looked at it and it's like, is the heart worth, you know, tearing into the rest of this thing? And in my head, it's like, you know, I've got all this meat. Like, I, I can walk away without the heart. It's not a big deal. But you stepped in, and you're like, "No, I can get this. We can, we we got this." Like, it, yep. and like before, I knew what was happening. You know, you were in. Well, and I and I have that advantage. So, yeah. y- you, you're going to be doing this maybe once a year. Yeah, maybe once a year. I go through these animals, you know. For an entire season, I'm seeing I'm seeing animals. I'm butchering animals, yeah, uh, or at least breaking down animals uh, for my job on a daily basis for about three months. Yeah, yeah, and that and that shows greatly because when me and Kyle started hunting together, I was just as slow as he was, if not worse. Yeah, and I, I yeah. That's where that's where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, no. Comparing I us was, to, to Ryan, we were we were doing the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to puncture when we anything. We started doing it, and we first started gutting them. Yeah, I had done more than you, and so I was further along. He was in the process. Absolutely. Now he can tear one down twice the time I can. Yeah. Because he does it a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's what it takes is experience. I'm the same way. I don't have that job, so. Any that I break down is the one or two, three or four animals that we get personally. Yeah. And now he's doing it with his job daily, like he said, for three or four months. And yeah, and that's and that's a major disadvantage to this whole process, right? Like, like yeah, we broke down the antelope last year, and yeah, the elk's a bigger animal, and it's a different process that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But like, one a year is no way to get good at anything. Right, I mean, you, it's you, it's it's a way to to 
not be terrible at a yeah. thing. But like, if we're talking the whole ten thousand hour idea, like, it's, yeah. so it's not but happen. but also think of it this way. Um, you learned to ride a bike as a kid, for sure, right? And you probably ride bikes more than I do now. Sure. But he can still ride a bike. I can still ride a bike. Sure. Even though I haven't ridden one in probably three or four years now. Right. But that feeling you get when you get on a bike, while it's similar, the actual like process of riding that bike and breaking down an, an elk is... True. Like, I see... I see the analogy and it, and it definitely works, but like this is a, there's a lot happening in this there animal is, that but doesn't what happen but, most of the year. I'm going to give you that, but do you get the same thrill that he gets on a bike once every year or two that you get every time you, every single time you get on yours? There's, there's, there's some sort of mysterious kind of awesome feeling yeah. It's also kind of daunting and scary. Yeah. But it's also really cool, especially when you get done and you've got that pile of meat there, to actually do that even though you haven't done it in a year or yeah. two years. And and the scenario you're describing, you're a really good hunter and you're killing an animal every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it it yeah. might be three years. Right? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the best I can do in terms of what's available to me is like, Pick up a chicken at the grocery store, right? Well, Instead and of get, buying chicken breast and, and that's break a, down a chicken, and that's, that's a, the closest I can get to practice. And that's a and that's a great. I mean, that's a great way to kind of do some of that. I guess more what I was getting. Maybe a better analogy would be, uh, and and this is only, you, you can do analogies in your own personal experiences, but like snowboarding. Yeah, I learned to snowboard uh, out of high school, and I did a lot for for a couple of years. I haven't been snowboarding quite a few times. In my mind, I know the process. I know you should lean downhill, put your weight on your front foot, use your back foot. It still takes me a couple of runs down the mountain before I actually am comfortable doing it again. Yeah. But it's the same way with breaking down elk. You know, once you have the basics, you have it in the back of your mind, you know how it should go. And that's where Rodney comes, that's what Rodney's talking about. Whenever you actually get into it, you you may butcher the f- a front shoulder, sure, but then you start to get that feeling like, okay, this is coming back to me. I remember yeah. how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, being able to get to it quickly yeah. makes a big difference, right? Like the ability to one get it skinned quickly, right, so the meat can start cooling down. But two, having movement in you know in the legs. To be able to understand where those muscles move and where those joints exist and where those bones are yeah. makes a big difference. It so does. there's 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 two options for you. You either have to deal with if you're going to break an, an animal down, you either have to do it immediately while it's while it's still warm before rigor mortis sets in. Mm-hmm. Or you have to wait until after rigor mortis has set and it starts to break down so that you can get that movement back. Yeah. And that's going to be 24 hours or longer. Yeah. And those are options. You, you've, you've had two experiences over the past couple of years. Both experiences have been in cold weather 
where you mm -hmm. didn't have to deal with things like heat. Yeah. Um, both of them have been in somewhat cleaner environments because we have snow um, and not a lot of, like, dust mm -hmm. on the ground. Um, eventually, you're going to deal with that, like, heat and stuff. I mean, we didn't have to deal with heat today. Heck, Kyle built a fire, you know, so we could warm ourselves yeah. <laughs> intermittently as we, as yeah. we process the animal. So it's... it's um, you're going to deal with a lot of things throughout your hunting life uh, as you go forward. Um, but hopefully now you have enough basic experience to make it pretty, to, to make it not so daunting. Yeah. I, I'm never somebody to go into a thing, you know, willy nilly and confident to, you know, I've never done it before, but it can't be that hard. You know, if you hear me saying can't be that hard, it's 90% a joke. Um, <laughs> like, I, after the last two years, you know, I have enough confidence to be willing to try it on my own. Um, I will certainly be looking for friends that, you know, are already doing this or haven't done this in a while but are willing to get back into it. To have that extra bit of support in the field... Yeah. Because, yes, I could probably do it on my own. I feel reasonably confident that I can come out and camp for a few days and, you know, come on an animal, find it, drop it, clean it, take it home, done. You know, I have probably 70% confidence that, you know, given the perfect circumstances where I'm presented with the option and I have a good shot that I'm confident in. I'm pretty sure I can pull this off on my own. It's always nice to have somebody else to do it with. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. You know, it, it, one just to have some bloody company and, and two, again, those hindquarters are heavy. <laughs> they are. Like working you... one of those things while you're trying to cut it off the body is a, difficult process and and trust me after you carry two hind quarters out a, a good piece uh front quarter not too light <laughs> damn yeah yeah so, if i had to if i had to bag and hang and hike and you know pack and all that you know best case scenario two times over is gonna probably just about break me right. like that's that's a hefty amount of animal to carry just, back and forth it is. But yeah, I mean, all in all, like the experience over the last two years has been fantastic with you guys. You know, it's taken a thing that I was vaguely familiar with, um, but never very successful with, and made it seem much less daunting than it was before we started. Good. So now we get to go back out tomorrow and do it again. Yes. So last year you went first, yeah. Shane. And so you got your antelope first and you got to go through the process of getting it, scanning it, getting in the truck, all of that stuff yeah. first. Right. Um, this year, what's the difference watching him do it all first? Is it making it more comfortable for you or yeah. is it making it more, oh crap, now it's my turn? <laughs> Um, I feel like I'm more ready for it. I tried to watch as closely as I could without getting in the way. 
And I feel like I, I kind of replay what I saw you guys doing in my head, where you cut the back strap, how you, you traced the as closely as you could to the to that spine, you know, where on, you know, the, the shoulder when you move that front leg, where you're supposed to cut um, without cutting into the meat and that you don't cut any bone at all. It's just like a free-hanging thing. It's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and then just like picturing what you guys are doing in my head like i've been playing as we've been talking it over in my head like okay tomorrow if i get one down this is this is where i'm gonna start and it's funny as we talk i'm also like okay so next the next year if i do this by myself or with a friend i want to be able to not let them do everything but also be able to pitch in as well when it's not just you know so i think it's definitely helped me because last year i had never killed anything i'd never seen blood and guts and i at one point said i'm not doing that and you were like so this year i feel a lot i mean i didn't want to go first this year but i also felt like it was fair to give ryan the first shot because i had gone first last yeah. year so uh yeah, long really story long answer really but yeah i think it helped that. me a lot yeah. that, that was one of my favorite lines from last year yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, me putting my hands in the cavity and, and uh, separating the diaphragm so we could pull all of the insides out. And I was like, "You okay?" <laughs> like, like today, you know, there was like I think you were a little hesitant before we started, but once we started, you were right yeah. there assisting the whole time. And you're you there know? to the end. You're over there. How can I help you? Let's get this heart out. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think I this happened last year, too. And I think, Rodney, you even said something last year. Like, you know, every every year it's like, now, okay, well, dang, now we have to do the cleaning up part, which is not the easiest, especially with an elk. Good yeah. Lord, that thing was huge. So, you know, we were... It was about 9 o'clock, breakfast time, and Ryan was very considerate. He goes, Shay, do you want me to wait for you to finish eating your breakfast before we start this? And I was, <laughs> I had thought that in my head, but I didn't want to be a, uh, a poop about it and be like, can you please wait? But when he asked, I was like, that would be really appreciated. I really <laughs> like that because I'd like to finish my breakfast because I couldn't remember how I was going to react in the gutless method. That's what I would like to do tomorrow if we get... It was very nice, but even when we went in to get the heart, it still wasn't like... Yeah. I wanted to touch it and pick I, it. I think, <laughs> I think I'm probably going to disappoint you tomorrow because I think we probably need to do the regular gutting method on your elk tomorrow. Um, I think it's important because I think you need the experience. No, I agree. Um, yeah. I am bad. I tend to do it. Oh, let's do the easy it, way. It would be real helpful, I think, to see it. Yeah. Um, done that way, be- simply because. An antelope and an elk are two completely different animals, and you've seen it on an antelope, and it's basically the same thing, but on a much grander scale. And there are going to be scenarios where the gutless method doesn't work. Yeah. Um, where you're going to need to to gut it and stuff like that but so we probably should do that tomorrow but we also may end up 
in a scenario where, you know what, we've got to do this, the gutless method, we got to get it done, and we got to get it loaded up and get it out of here. So a lot of times you go in with the plan with, hey, I want to do the gutless method, and it's going to work. But then sometimes it just may not, yeah, and you, you need to be able to do both. So hopefully we'll be able to just gut it um, uh, so y'all can see that, but who knows. Got to get an elk first. Yeah. Can't, That's can't the get truth. anything if you don't get an elk. That's, That's right. the truth. Well, hopefully we have a part two of this. Yeah. Here's to hoping. Here's to hoping, for sure. Yeah, here I, we I go. I think we will. I any, think we will. Any right. last word? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where you guys normally say adios. <laughs> this is where we normally say adios. We d- we do, and I think that's what we're going to do. Um, thank you guys for joining. All right, adios, adios. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. adios.